Hello, hello, welcome back to Not the Oscars. It's Denafrio. This is a podcast about criminally underrated performances in modern cinema, getting the recognition that they deserve. Each week, one host nominates a performance from the illustrious for the illustrious Vincent D'Onofrio Award, an award of our own creation, birthed from our mutual love for Vincent D'Onofrio's impeccable performances, Edgar the Bug and Men in Black. I'm Anthony, and we are joined by Erica and Josh. How are you guys doing? I'm back in Chicago, so that's exciting. Yeah. You're no longer recording from a remote location. What does it's that true, feel like? It's true. Um, it's good to be back at my desk, in my space. Um, I am sad to no longer have access to my parents' pool. Or the child. And my niece. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm, it's good to be back in my space. Good. Now you're just doing slightly less remote recording. Have anybody else had like having like that weird like? I don't know how to explain it, but it kind of feels like I'm fine, but everything's not fine. And yeah, yeah, it's like I don't. I there's definitely a a word that exists in German that explains exactly what this weird phenomenon feels like. But it's like this weird, like, I just kind of exist only to exist, and I don't understand what that means. Five months of a pandemic is weird, man. As a birthday gift, uh, one year somebody got me this little box that has, they look like flashcards on them, but these cards are all specifically just, you know, just these really crazy long German words that are used in incredibly specific scenarios. Like, I don't have access to them right now, but it's like, when you're feeling sad in an ambulance while wearing a tunic, and it's like some really long word. <laughs> I'm sure there's one in that in that box that describes exactly what you're talking about. I'm really excited for today's episode uh, because, um, A, I had never seen the movie before that Josh nominated uh, uh, for us to watch. Um I do really enjoy the actor that uh, you you nominated. I thought this was going to be a lot of fun. Um, Before we get into it, uh, I think we got to throw this over to you, Josh, so that you can kind of frame up and tee us up for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, sure. So, uh, for your consideration, I would like to nominate Hugo Weaving in the role of Tick in the movie... The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Erica, you'd never seen this before either, right? I had not, which is really feels like this movie is on brand for me. So um, I can't believe I'd never seen this before. Wow. Are you a big uh, fan of Hugo Weaving, Josh? Is that why you chose this movie? Or is it like you're a fan of the movie? Like what? So, Give me so the I, here's the skinny. Uh, I hated getting the year 1994 i spent three solid days thumbing through movies of of possibilities from this year and just like some were like ah no or like it wasn't i wasn't familiar with it there was just nothing that was really calling to me uh and i was trying to find things that were kind of off the beaten path because i just didn't like what the options that i had so i found priscilla queen of the desert and this was not really not really a Hugo Weaving thing, even though I am a you know a fan of the movies that he's done. And he hasn't done that many movies. Um But this was a big movie for me in high school. I had a group of friends where we went 
nuts over this movie we would have like sleepovers and watch it and like one time they got me into full drag while we were doing this and we did like a photo shoot that i don't think saw the light of day unfortunately uh no i need it i need it so badly you know what yeah i'm like that needs to get found uh, first off i am always down to do it but second off i i don't know i could i could call that person up and see if they have it but yeah i would just i i this was a this movie was just a big part of my development of high uh, high school for a short period of time. It just showed up all the time, um, but I haven't seen it since. And to be quite frank, I chose <laughs> Hugo Weaving in the movie before watching it again. So I was kind of I chose it blind. So uh, I wasn't sure if this was going to be a good nomination or not, but it just something about it felt right because I know it was impactful for me as a young, budding uh, high schooler. Um, I did not uh, uh, say this earlier, but I guess to kind of frame things up, um, for anybody that's listening for the first time, uh, the way this podcast works is that one of us chooses a performance that they want to nominate for the week, uh, while the other two of us score that argument to determine if said performance does indeed receive the award. Um, So Erica and I uh, watched uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, um, specifically watching Hugo Weaving's performance so that we could judge it for tonight's podcast uh, taping. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I'll give, a, I'll give a little synopsis for it, too. So, uh, this movie... Uh, uh, let's see, I'm going to try to do this from memory. Uh, this movie was... Uh, it came out in 1994. <laughs> That's about it. All right. No, it's, <laughs> it stars uh, Terrence Stamp... Um, which I'm trying to think of, like, the bigger movies that he's done, because he's done a lot of stuff. He also just plays, like, the old British guy in, in anything you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, if they couldn't mm-hmm. get... Like, he and Christopher Plummer must just be considered for the same role every time. <laughs> it's, like, just one of those. There's a pool. They're the they same archetype. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he most recently was in... Um, that Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston movie on murder mystery movie on um, Netflix, on which was like Netflix's most watched movie of 2019 or something like that. Um, that's the thing he's been in most recently. Well, we've got Terrence. He's also in Star Wars Episode One, which I've never. I don't oh remember. Oh my god, who he is you're right. It. He plays like a. Doesn't he play like a politician or a senator or something? He's got. He's the Supreme Chancellor. Uh, I cannot remember the guy's name, but it begins with a V. Uh, Senator Valpatine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you when you get assigned with that guy, you just get his name except a, a letter down. So he was down to V, which means there were a couple others. Well, we've got Terrence Stamp in it. Hugo Weaving, of course. Uh, guy Pierce is in this. I think this might have been one of his earlier first movies. I don't know. Um, it, this is an Australian movie. Uh, I know that the producers, uh, came out of Australia and they were all, it came, it was a very low, low budget movie for the time. Uh, and, um, you know, but it did, it did get a lot of acclaim when it came out and generally positive reviews. Uh, it follows the story of Hugo Weaving, um, whose character's name is Tick, as well as, um, uh, who is it? Uh, Terrence Stamp's character. They're 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 drag queens, and 
uh, Hugo Weaving's character essentially gets the call to go do a show on like the other side of Australia and you know, I don't do the show. So he gets together um, his uh, one of his friends. Uh, um, I'm forgetting the name of the character, but it's Terrence Stamp's character as well as uh, Bernadette. Oh, Bernadette. That's right. Uh, and Guy Pierce's character with Adam. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, because they, they sometimes go by their drag names and sometimes they go by their um, given names. But yeah, I think his name's Adam. And they, they try to get across uh, the Australian desert to go do this performance, and they do it in Priscilla, a bus. Josh, are you prepared to defend your choice of film for 1994? Uh, yes and no. I didn't prepare a lot of notes for this one. I felt like I just wanted to kind of like shoot from the hip like I normally do. Uh, so we're going to see how this goes because uh, that's just how this week's going to go. I just I love- imagine a lawyer saying the same thing. Like, are you prepared to defend your client? Eh, kind of, yes and no. You guys, you I know? should be a lawyer. I should go into I just love... I just love that Josh is always set up as the underdog. Like, never not the underdog. The Josh Bowen story. <sighs> never not the underdog? Oh, man. Never not the underdog. It's my new Instagram handle. At me. Yep. Okay. Everybody likes the underdog, yeah. Josh. All right, let's 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 uh, let's give this old bird a whirl. That's a coin, phrase I just coined. Begin your dissertation. Now. Age like a fine wine. This movie comes in an era, uh, the 1990s, where I, we don't really get a lot of great representation of, um, you know, transgender uh, or or uh, even drag culture. And it's one that came out of that time that I think that, you know, at least at the time and what I can see has a generally positive like outlook and message for a lot of that for a lot of that community and its representation it is problematic in some areas but um in general i think it it holds up relatively well as the cult classic that it is with that subject matter and hugo weaving's performance in it uh though you know i i i'm pretty sure that he it it holds up really well just in the sense that he he shows up and he just commits himself to this character fully, um, and he doesn't really try to overdo the character because a lot of times when I see like I don't know even like episodes of TV sh- TV shows oh I am talking too much of people like that are straight playing like a drag character they tend to take it too far and this felt very real grounded uh, and uh, it just let the kind of dialogue do its own work. All right, this is off to a start. I'm not going to say a great start, but... uh... (laughs) Okay, Josh, are you prepared to defend singular sensation that no one else could have done this Uh, role? Again, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Your 90 seconds begins now. Singular sensation. You can't say it at the time that the movie came out because he hadn't done yet, but... Who else would you rather have in this role but Agent Smith and uh, the high, I forget his role, but Elrond of Lord of the Rings. 
it is a fucking trip seeing uh, Hugo weaving in this role, especially knowing that it was his second movie. Um, he's also of Australian descent, and this is kind. Of, this is an Australian story. I mean, I guess it's not necessarily telling the story of you know what it means to be you know from that region of the world, but it takes place there. A lot of the themes kind of tackle what is happening in that area at that time. Uh, and I don't know, I can't think of any other actors specifically like that at that time with that kind of capability that could pull this off. But, you know, vocally, uh, energy wise, physically, I see it as, but to kind of do it simply and to do it strong, um, I can't think of like too many other people besides Hugo Weaving, because those are the roles that he went on to do. Our third category, transformation, exploration, this person has physically and vocally committed so much that you forget who they are as a person. Josh, are you I'm ready, ready for this one. Your 90 seconds begins now. You know, I, I know I've already mentioned his other famous roles. Uh, and this one easily for me sticks out as kind of a... I'm just blown away that he's doing this movie. And for me, I just think it is that it's he's playing this character that is so physical in dance in singing in um in in this kind of performative way that's you don't really see in any other role like you can't help but think like damn like why didn't he go on to do more of this stuff because he committed himself so completely to this role without doing it too much without making it huge or absurd uh it was really really fucking wonderful i yeah, I think that's it. Nice. This time you had 40 seconds still left to talk. Uh, I guess I could practice practice a couple of stand-up uh, jokes with the last 45 seconds. Yeah, let's not do that. You know, I don't... Nah. Mm. You know what I think I want to do for my birthday one year is just force everybody to come to a birthday party where they have to prepare two minutes of... Like, one minute of stand-up material. Oh, I'm busy. <laughs> but they have to like i'm gonna make a like i i'm leaving to go live in cambodia or something and this is the only thing that's gonna make me happy i would do it yeah a bunch of terrible stuff. i would 1000 percent do it it'd be so fun what if we descended on a karaoke bar um and instead of doing karaoke we're just like no 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 we're good we're just we're just taking over the mic tonight you <laughs> you just put on the song in the background it's all instrumental you just do stand up over it oh that's smart. yeah you just keep much. asking the bartender like hey can you turn the music down lower a little bit lower <laughs> give me like two lower. or three percent in that case i'm uh, in <laughs> our fourth category Josh, the category formerly known as chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh, the idea behind this one being that you have the ability to take a shitty script or an insane premise and turn it into a phenomenal performance. But in the case of this, um, this person just enhances the performance regardless of whether or not the script is good or bad. Um, and in this case, I don't think the script is necessarily bad. Uh, we're looking at it as this person just elevated everything about the performance and they made everything about the movie better because they were in it. You got 90 seconds, sir. So I think that this, uh, Hugo Weaving's performance in this is, and whether or not 
you know, we could call it chicken salad or chicken shit or the artist formerly known has really has to do with how I think he plays with the other characters in this movie. Like, cause the, the dialogue in here could really easily kind of be really crappy. Like if the wrong person was saying it, like a lot of the jokes that they make and a lot of like the, you know, the little jabs and especially the things that guy, guy Pierce says, it's just, it's, it's very silly, but because it's Terrence Stamp, who is just very, like, calm and steady and, like, confident, and then you have Hugo Weaving that kind of, like, is in the middle of that, and then Guy Pierce. I think the three of them collectively together kind of take... It's not a brilliant dialogue script, but they make it so believable and so wonderful. And I think Hugo Weaving kind of sits the middle ground of that so well and balancing them two out. And you get this really wonderful moment at the end of his kid, like kind of accepting who hit him and his lifestyle. And it's just such a simple, endearing moment uh for both of Ten them seconds. that it's not chicken shit just give me the give me a good score i'll fucking fight you whoa that changed completely by the end of it yep that was my the, i prepared that too <laughs> <laughs> your last category is body of proof uh this role is an unexpected addendum to this person's career or an addition of what they've been working towards are you prepared uh, no your 90 seconds begin now. Oh, it's Hugo Weaving. Just look at his other movies. Come on. <laughs> what else has he done like this? This is fucking crazy. Uh, Elrond. I know I already said that. And um, uh, his guy from The Matrix. Just give me the scores. Give me a 10. <laughs> I'm just going to use the, the rest 45 seconds. To say that I'm yeah, great. I'm not cutting the timer no, off. No, no, it's one. Uh, so I'm pretty great. Uh, Hugo Weaving's pretty great. I'm trying to think of some other movies that he did. Oh, V for Vendetta. Like even, yeah, man. Like what else has he done that is like this? They all came from like this movie. Like he held his weight and did something that people didn't expect. So he got all these really awesome like sci-fi fantasy roles. It's kind of a shame that like he didn't do anything else that kind of was in like the lgbtq like you know world even though it's probably better that people that are actual members of that or uh you know represent it more thoroughly than just like another white actor going to do it but he did a really fucking good job so uh i'm just gonna use the rest of this to uh turn on in my tamagotchi and make sure that it's still an egg it's not living yet you know what i'm just gonna call time you got five <laughs> seconds left but we're good all right <laughs> hey I did it. Uh, Josh, thank you very much for uh, preparing for tonight's uh, episode of Not the Oscars. Um, as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, the next part uh, is for Erica and I to discuss these last five categories, um, taking into account everything that Josh has said, while also talking through our own feelings about the film and the performance. Um, and then scoring this bad boy to determine whether or not it does indeed win the D'Onofrio Award for the week. Uh, Erica, are you ready for this? I am. Awesome. Uh, going back to that first category, age like a fine wine. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. There is a lot about this movie that holds up really well in terms of 
what goes into a drag performance and really treating it like an art form. Um, I also think there's some really lovely portrayals of members of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, one thing that didn't hold up for me, and this doesn't have to do with Hugo weaving, but I think it does uh, fold itself into the how just this movie functions as a whole, is the constant berating of um, Bernice's character with her dead name. I yeah. found really jarring. And um, I obviously in 1994 would never have thought about that. Like, and I know that it's it's um, written to be a joke, but in, you know, in 2020, it's just yeah. like, that's just they really harp cruel. on that. Yeah, I I found that interesting. Um, however, I do know that you know we, especially as someone who I think hovers on the edge of that type of a community. Um, like, I, I know that not everyone is on the same page about what does that mean, um, but that was just one thing that, that stuck with me a little bit. But Hugo, Hugo Weaving's performance, I think, was a really interesting portrayal of, um, of, of a gay man in Australia, which, you know, I don't know a ton about, but I have seen Hannah Gadsby's stand-up, and from that, um, I know that it's not actually the most open and accepting culture when it comes to um non-white cis straight folks um similarly i thought that you know definitely some like you know problematic stuff throughout but at the same point too it's still kind of wild to me that this movie even got made in the first place um and it got these just because yeah, it's like it, it's it's tough. It's it's a really weird thing because it's like has this held up well over time in terms of like you know like the nitty gritty like the details, not great. But as far as like you know like the film and like you know some of the themes of it and everything, it's kind of ahead of its time. So it's like you're, I'm torn. I'm very much torn by it. Yeah, I guess I to to walk back my my comment just one. I guess one little step. I will say, I think it pro- probably is indicative of um, the conversation that was being had in 1994. Um, I will say that. Mm-hmm. And also the fact, too, of like, and I, I didn't do enough looking into, like, you know, who, you know, was working on the film, who produced it, everything, but it's like, you know, the representation matters as far as, like, you know, like, what you see on camera, but it also works behind the scenes because that then informs what we're seeing. Uh, There's a reason why, like, you know, in 20 years watching the show Pose, we're not going to be like, oh, well, that was problematic, or that was wrong, or, like, you know, they shouldn't have said this thing. It's like, nah, like, they're saying the right stuff because the people that are involved with it all lived this life. So it's going to be foolproof because this is almost like, you know, semi-autobiographical. Whereas a lot of the movies that were coming out at this time that were coming out that were talking about, you know, the LGBTQ community and all of that. If you don't have those folks that are behind the camera working on it, then that's not going to show up in the finished film either. Um, And that just kind of happens that way, you know. So that character that uh, ends up, you know, that guy that they meet that ends up going on kind of tour with them a little bit. 
why did they need to have him have like a mail order bride wife? Like, what was the point of that in this film? Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But I also that like uh, that was painful. That watching was really rough. The the Asian stereotypes, the, and the accent, the Asian and stereotypes, was... and the one moment when there's like a female, you know, like uh, somebody in this that's like, oh, I want to be performance. And then the husband's just like, no, you're not allowed to because you have a drinking problem. Like, that's that's saying a lot right there. Yeah. yeah. That was fucked up. Not helping the my point, but uh, just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, I chose Anthony, this actor in this movie before I saw it. Anthony, to your point, um... The writer and director of this movie does identify as gay. Um, and I think also you bring up a really good point that, like, this was a relatively mainstream movie. Um, especially, I mean, it was nominated, um, for an Oscar, right? And so, um, to have also three men star in it that went on to have careers that they've had, um, I think if you even look at how we've represented queer characters in American television and cinema, like um, Laura Dern played Ellen's girlfriend on Ellen's sitcom, and um, she got pushed out of casting rooms for years after that because people were so prejudiced against it. So um, I, I do think it's an interesting point that you bring up, that like the fact that this movie was made, it was made the way it was made, and um, people are still watching it. And it's it shows all three of these people in it in a really positive manner i will say that and not too long ago it was also turned into a musical so i'm like it's still got some like you know lasting yeah. power but yeah. at the same point too i'm like you know if you look at anything that's too old we're going to find flaws with it yeah. it's why hamilton's getting all the shit that it's getting now um yeah. and if hamilton got made tomorrow and it was like you know in the midst of like you know the climate that we're experiencing a lot of things would be different about it. So it's almost like you kind of have to judge it and like, you know, the lens of what you're currently experiencing and what you're seeing at the time. But at the same point too, our category is saying, did this thing hold up? And, you know, art doesn't necessarily hold up over time. That's just kind of how that works. Um, what grade did you give this? Yeah. So all that being said, I gave this a seven because I think overall, like the pieces of the story that are important um, to the story itself uh, hold up, and I do. I don't think that they, of your three main characters, none of them are made a caricature of, and I really appreciated that. Um, I gave this one uh, an eight. Dope. I'm fine with those. Going to the next category, singular sensation. Um, I struggled with this one a lot. Me, uh, mainly because um, Hugo Weaving is a great actor. I will not take that away from him at all. Um, and if you look at all of the roles that he's played throughout his career, um, the man's a chameleon, and he's very much one of those where it's like, if you give him a script, he's just going to turn out a really good performance because that's just all he knows how to do. Um, whether it's V for Vendetta, whether it's The Matrix, whether it's uh, Lord of the Rings. Even, uh, I didn't realize this until I looked it up, he's the voice of Megatron in the, uh, the, the Transformers <laughs> yeah. movies. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I thought that, because they brought back the original actor that played uh, uh, Optimus Prime to do the voice, but I thought they did the same thing for Megatron, and they didn't. They got Hugo Weaving. Um, so it's like, yeah, like, everything that he does is very, very different. 
Um, but the same issue that I have for this is that I feel like with a lot of uh, uh, actors that are chameleons, and typically it's just white males that are able to like do this, is that uh, I oftentimes think like you could almost interchange and like swap them out. In this case, because it is an Australian film, I couldn't tell you an Australian actor that could be swapped out for him. But it is still like one of those things where I'm like, could somebody else have played this role? Probably so. And I could like go down the list of like a couple of white actors that do this shit for a living and could have probably done justice to this. What did you think? Yeah, so I'm also a little torn on this. Um, but um, I do have some, I, I think I have a, I think I'm on a stronger POV of this than you are, is that I think um, I would have really have liked to see, and again, if this movie is being cast in 2020, I think you're looking at a really different set of actors to come in and play this role. I really, I, I researched um, Terrence Stamp, Guy Pierce, and Hugo Weaving, and they all at some point in time were married to women. That's not to say that, you know, they don't, um, they've never experimented with sexuality or whatever, but I, I think that they all identify as cis straight men. Um, that being said, I, because it's a particular, it's a very Australian script and the language is very Australian in it. Um, and I was trying to like run down the list of Australian actors that like are in this age group. The only other person I could think of, and I like don't actually think he can, could have pulled this off this way was um Hugh Jackman is like I mm. um you know what I mean like I just don't I don't see him in this part I was just trying to like think about men in his age group um I really appreciated that this performance was so understated and so human because I, I think it would have been really easy to put all all of these people over the top um and I think it's appropriate that Guy Pierce's character um, behaves in the manner in which he does, because also, obviously, like, you learn a little bit a little about his trauma that he's been through and that sort of thing, too. But um, I really, I loved this performance. I thought it was beautiful. How'd you grade it? Um, I gave this a nine. Hmm. I went with a seven. Not because I didn't think it was good, but like I said, I don't know if he's the only person that could have pulled it off. You know, honestly, I'm leaning more with Anthony on this side. Not to point the gun towards me at all, but uh, you, you make a good point, and it's kind of what I was thinking when I was watching this movie after I had chose the actor and the title, so. Did you, yeah, did you wish you had chosen Terrence Stamp? Well, I thought about it. I thought about changing it, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? No, because he did it. it I think he, he, he does feel like the role that like really did get snubbed because, you know, it, it, it was a more complex role and it's more, it's, you know, it's just it's 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 more of the central focus of the movie, and of anything, I, I kind of feel like it's his. It's 
even when you kind of strip away like that it's drag and it's them going through the desert and all these things like you're really watching like his story deal with like just what do i do at this point in my life like with this job that i have and do i still enjoy it and it's really beautiful still a solid choice i will say that yeah yeah i'm happy i I, I honestly think you could have argued for any of them three the three the three leads because I think Guy Pierce is also doing something really, really outside of his realm of what he normally. Yeah, plays. he was walking. He's know? walking. They're all walking a line, and I and yeah. I do know that Terrence Stamp actually he they tried approaching a lot of people for this role, and a lot of people turned it down. And when he accepted it, he was really hesitant at first because. You know, it was just something that people didn't really know him for, and it was a big chance. But once he read the script, he actually got the person that played... Um, I'm forgetting his name in the movie, but... Uh, Bob. Bob. Like, he, he found... I have a Bob. Like, let me go find him. Yeah, they were wonderful together. Yeah. I really... I enjoyed watching the sort of, like, mother-son relationship between... Terrence Stamp and Hugo Weaving, which also, if, if I don't know how uh, versed folks are in drag culture, but um, frequently whoever brings you in to the um, in, into your your house, your drag house um, is your your mother, and and you become like the child, the daughter of that that person. I thought that that was. Um, evident in terms of two of him uh him like receiving the torch from Terrence Stamp's character third category transformation exploration physically vocally committed um this one I had no issue with whatsoever I actually thought this one is pretty clear um it's almost like the 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 issues that I had with not really like so much issues, just like, you know, like the things like that we would be looking for with the film now. I think that it's very important that when you're looking at movies that and then like entertainment from like, you know, previous years, it's like, yeah, back then you weren't looking for people that identified as the characters to play that character. Um, and now we definitely would be doing that. Um, yeah. But in this case, I think that that works really <laughs> well in favor of Hugo Weaving because it means it's a little bit more of a stretch for him to play that role because he doesn't necessarily identify with the character as far as like, you know, being a cis straight man. Um, and because of that, it also then lends to the fact that he's also a phenomenal actor, uh, character actor and chameleon who can kind of pick up and play anything. Um, so with all that in mind, um, I felt like he kind of knocked this one out of the park. Um, Eric, what would you think? Yeah, I really don't have too much to add to that. Um, I think I would have just liked to have seen a little more, like, uh, like dance prowess. I don't know if maybe, like, the right word. Um, but in terms of just, like, the comfort level in being in a wig and full makeup and also the transition from the onstage persona versus the offstage persona um it was a pretty versus what i know of hugo weaving in his other roles i have no idea what he's like as a person but um you know agent uh agent smith red skull um elrond um 
to, like he really takes he really is a a bit of a chameleon isn't he a thousand percent um like there's no other way to put it like that guy just kind of like slips in and out like it's nothing yeah um i i gave this a 9 so did i yeah i I just, yeah, I, he would have gotten that full 10, Josh. I just, something about the dancing, I could just, like, tell that, that that's not who this person is, you It know? was a little strange um, watching it this time, now that you bring it up, because he's the one kind of guiding them, uh, the rest of them towards, we need to rehearse, we need to practice. And the only scenes where we really see any dancing is when they're, he, when they're, performing with the with the uh, aboriginals and it's really not that much and then it's him practicing a little bit on his own in the sand dunes and at the end and there's some little bit little bits strung throughout but it was a little like what where is the where is it fourth category the 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 artist formerly known as chicken salad out of chicken shit uh the elevation of uh this movie based on this person's performance um lifting up the script the performances everything else um I thought Hugo Weaving is very, very good, and I think that he does a very good job of, like, whenever he's on camera, uh, he's, like, the person that you're thinking about, you're watching what he's uh, doing, it's very nuanced, it's very subtle, um, but I feel like it's kind of that way for every other person in the show as well, I mean, in the movie as well, uh, Guy Pierce, every time that he, uh, from, like, the very first time that Guy Pierce shows up, actually, um, I was like, oh, like, I'm enthralled by this person. I can watch him do, like, anything, and this is just so much fun. It's almost like watching uh, uh, Christoph Waltz in uh, Inglorious Bastards because he's having such a good time that you're like, yeah. I'm also having a good time. Um, and I felt that way about everybody that was in this movie. Um, how did you feel? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a bad script. I do think it could be a really boring script if you have a different cast. Mm -hmm. um, because... Much of what's watchable about this movie comes from them physically interacting with each other and less of, obviously there's some scenes that are, like we talked about the scene where um, Guy Pierce uh, is almost attacked by this mob of men um, and that scene was very scary and I think it's very well written. Um, but then there's other bits where it's like, it's really just, like, kind of, like, a lot of yelling of these three people and, like, this, like, bantering back and forth and them making bad jokes and, like, whatever. And I, I think with a different cast, um, this would have been way less watchable. For sure. Um, I gave this one um, an eight. I did as well. I couldn't agree with your guys' explanations and scores anymore. It's an ensemble piece. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, our last category, Body of Proof. Um, unexpected addendum to this person's career. Um, what did you think, Erica? What were your thoughts on that? I thought that this was like just like a solid kickoff to his career that I can totally see like how you would watch him in this and just be like, yeah, I, I would totally cast this guy in a role that has no grounding in reality you've got to like yeah. you know for some not 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 this role but like the their future roles he'll go on to play is that like you could totally watch him in this and be like oh yeah this guy can figure out who who this character is for sure um 
Yeah, uh, I I always struggle with this one whenever we choose a person who um, has had like you know this storied career and like this this resume that's extensive where like they've done multiple things that each role has almost been like the craziest thing. Like God forbid we ever do one and Philip Seymour Hoffman is the person that we choose because it's like everything that he's done is unexpected to the point where you're just like, what the fuck was expected here? Like, which is like the role out of all of these that I'm like, oh, like this is like the one thing that's not like the others. Um, so the way I kind of looked at this one because of that, uh, I thought similar to what we did last week with uh, Lawrence Fishburne, I was like, all right, if I had to boil down the three roles that this person is known for, um, and maybe like, you know, an honorable mention, what kind of ties all of them together and what makes all of them interesting, what makes them all like, you know, the pillars of like, you know, the, the, their resume, I guess. And does this fall outside of it? And for him, obviously, uh, Agent Smith is number one. Um, I feel like number two would probably be, um, who's the character that he plays in the Lord of the Rings again, uh, Josh? Lord Elrond. Or actually, I don't know if it's um, Lord or King or, this. Elrond. All good. Um, I feel like that has to be number two. And then for me, three would probably be V and V for Vendetta. Um, and then, you know, like for like, you know, the honorable mention, like the stuff that would come in addition to it. Um, I thought it was dope that he was Megatron. I thought it was cool that he was Red Skull and Captain America. Um, he's got some stuff peppered in throughout that, like, you know, is also super, super dope. This one to me is an outlier. And because of that, that's why I was like, okay, like I'm willing to look at this and say, this is, you know, the, the unexpected because it is both in terms of like the fact that like this got made in early nineties and it's not a topic that I think a lot of people were inclined to touch. Maybe that's why I got made in Australia and not in the U.S. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went back and forth on it. But ultimately, I was like, this actually is pretty unexpected. And for it to come so early is also kind of interesting. And, um, yeah, he hasn't done anything like this since, which is probably a good thing because... You know, we should leave those roles for people that can really speak towards that experience a little bit differently. Um, so, yeah. Um, what did you grade this one? I wound up just, I thought about, similar to you, uh, Anthony, like I, th I thought about some other roles that we kind of like graded this way. And so um, I wound up giving this one an eight um, because I also was just like, yeah, this is a fucking phenomenal performance. And I, I think I made my case earlier when I said, like, I think you could watch him in this and then e easily imagine him uh, creating other other roles. Mm -hmm. um, for that same reason, I also gave this one an eight. Josh, how, how are you feeling about that? I mean, I feel I feel uh, I, I'm I, now that our scores are locked in. I am very surprised nobody took away points for how poorly I argued some of these points <laughs> and spent most of I the time just it. talking about uh, myself and how I'm great. Now I'm going to fucking fight you guys. Okay. So, um, Josh, so your scores for the evening. Are you ready? I am. Uh, okay. That, uh, added, added together, my score is uh, 81. Yeah. That's solid. Like, that's better. That's... But uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with that score. Josh, you have 30 seconds to accept your Vincent D'Onofrio Award on behalf of Hugo Weaving. 
those 30 seconds began five seconds ago. All right. Oh, wow. Oh, this thing's kind of heavy. I just want to say I really didn't do much to uh, get this award. Uh, so I'm not going to thank anybody else because I uh, really didn't put that much work into it. I watched the movie, uh, had a lot of fun times ten seconds uh, the doing, doing it as a kid. And uh, Hugo Weaving, you did all the work, uh, and I did nothing. Um, that was a good one, Josh. I had fun with that. Yeah, good, good, good. yeah that was, I'm, I'm glad I saw this movie. I've, it's, oh, it's like been a movie on my list. Um, right. And... I will say if you enjoy uh, enjoyed this movie, I would strongly recommend the television show We Are Here on HBO. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Josh, but um, it's similar to A Queer Eye in that it's Shangela and two other drag queens, and they drive around in, in a, a big van, and they go to small towns in the United States and, and put on drag shows there. So it's like, I actually think I understand the show better now, having watched this movie. Oh, um, because the idea is that if they, so they go and they put on shows and they like, similar to Queer Eye, they like have people on the show that have some sort of relationship or lack thereof to the queer community and they turn them into drag queens. Um, and so, yeah, it's just... I, I found it to be very enjoyable television. Okay, yeah, I'll look into that. That sounds great. Um, guys, we're almost through the 90s. We only got a couple years left. Oh, my God. All right, so as of this week, we have completed the years 1991, 1993, 94, 96, 97, 99, and 2000, which was our outlier year. Um, so uh, we've only got a couple left. Anthony, do you have your die ready uh this is for you erica right yeah it this is. is for you yeah um i'm gonna roll this one out um let's see what you get you my friend got 1990 1990 30 years ago let's see what movies do we got this year we got witches we got the witches total recall goodfellas teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, Pretty, Woman Pretty Woman came out this year. Ghost? Edward Scissorhands. Oh Volcano? my god. Problem Child. Have you watched that movie as an adult? No. It's terrible. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. Ernest Goes to Jail. Tremors. Ernest Goes to Jail. Kindergarten Cop. This is a Godfather Part 3. <laughs> DuckTales the movie. This is a weird year <laughs> for cinema, guys. Great. All right, thank you all so much for joining us this week. Um, if you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite listening platform. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, please give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at NotTheOscars, or shoot us an email at GetMeSugarWater at gmail.com to submit a performance that you think deserves the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Uh, again, thanks so much for checking us out this week, um, and we'll see you again next time at Not the Oscars.